Welcome to episode 27 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, the top five new things that I would love to try on a future backpacking trip. The Summit Gear Review will show you the best place to take a nap on the trail. On the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll teach you a paradox of the trail, how to clean with dirt. Then we'll share some redneck style humor and wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a man with the longest resume in the West. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. Every time Josh and I record an episode, or every time we get feedback from someone, we kind of have this this moment where we just look at each other and just say, we love doing this. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last night in the kitchen, and what's really cool to me is when the episode goes out and that people get something from it. And so for me, what's really cool is when I hear back from people over social media, they contact us on Twitter or Facebook, or they post a review on iTunes. And I've just loved that interaction with the audience, learning about the things they're doing and uh, trying to help out with questions that they have. Just been a ton of fun interacting with people online. The backpacking community and the people that we interact with who listen to the podcast are just the most positive group I think I've ever interacted with. What do you enjoy most about doing the podcast? I really enjoy the brainstorming and the creation and coming up with ideas to share. And then I also love just getting out and trying things on the trail, you know, coming up with an idea and then doing it on the trail, a new recipe or a new way of doing my sleep system or cleaning out the tent or whatever it is. I just, I love the creative aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And the the great thing about doing a backpacking podcast is that it involves going out backpacking so that we can test things out. And, And that means we're out a lot. And hey, that's just good for you. I mean, it just makes you feel good. Well, you've probably noticed there has been an explosion in interest in backpacking. And we have a few people to thank for that. We'd like to thank Hollywood. Thank you, Hollywood. (laughs) How often do you say that? Uh, Almost never. Hollywood has brought us some movies recently that have really spotlighted backpacking. So a lot of people are just kind of starting to toe dip into backpacking because of these movies that have come out. Another thing that's caused an interest in backpacking is that people are recognizing the benefit of children being outdoors. That's really an important part of childhood that maybe isn't happening as much as it used to. Recesses are getting cut. Children are just spending more time indoors. Parents are doing more to get their children outdoors. And the next thing that we feel has led to an explosion in interest in backpacking is the increase in screen time that is just leaving people craving real life experiences. I know in our house we have enough screens so that everyone could potentially be in front of one all at the same time. 
And so after enough of that, you just kind of feel disconnected, lost, not a part of the real world. And it just leaves you feeling like you need to get out and experience something raw and real and clean and fresh. These are all things that contribute to this this boom in backpacking. Yeah, we're not the only ones who have noticed this increased interest in backpacking. Uh, the Appalachian Trail has seen a 10% increase uh, in hikers over the past six to seven years, uh, 10% per year increases in their hiking stats. So they've developed a system that allows people to go into a website and register when they're expecting to start their hike on the AT. Uh, so that they can get a better sense of what kind of traffic is out on the trail and, and you know, try to smooth out that traffic a little bit, I guess, and, and keep it a good experience for everyone. The Pacific Crest Trail, uh, they have a 50 person per day limit for those that are seeking to start out at the southern terminus of the trail to start a through hike uh, during the, the busy months. So they're also, you know, taking efforts to make sure that the increased traffic is kind of smoothed out in a way that makes a good experience for everyone doing the hike. The Mount Rainier Wonderland Trail, that's about a 90-mile loop around Mount Rainier in Washington State. Before 2013, they averaged 800 wilderness reservation requests during a two-week window in the spring. Last year, 2014, that number jumped from 800 to 2,000. A huge increase. This year, they received about 2,600 requests and actually had to suspend that two-week window early because they just kind of maxed out on how many people they could permit to go on the trail this coming summer. Now, they still will allow some walk-up reservations. Uh, they hold about 30% of their capacity open to walk-up reservations. So you go the day of or the day before you want to start your hike, cross your fingers and hope that uh, you can get a walk-up reservation. But, you know, they're, they're doing this to make sure, again, that it remains a good experience for those who are doing the hike. Even though trails are being more used, you're not going to have a situation where you're standing in line on a trail waiting to see <laughs> right. a mountain view, which I love that. You know, crowded trails look so different from crowded amusement parks. So you're still going to have a really beautiful wilderness experience. You'll just see a, a few more people on the trail than you normally would. And, you know, that's... Th those are the popular trails, the really well-known, iconic trails. If you go to a national forest and pick one of the trails, you may not see anyone at all. Right. I mean, that's what's funny. When we talk about trails being crowded, it means that on an average day, instead of passing three or four other hikers on the trail, you'll pass seven or eight other hikers on the trail that day. I mean, yeah. that's and crowded. You, and you won't be alone <laughs> in the campsite. You know? Yeah, there'll be one or two other tents in the in the campground, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so the thing is, there there's still so much space, like you said, that is available for backpacking, that some people are getting worried that backpacking is being overpromoted. But really, you don't have to go to all the most popular trails. Pick a less popular area, go backpacking, you'll never see a soul all day, and you'll still have a wonderful time out there. And some of that can happen during the shoulder seasons too. Like when we went up to the Redwoods and we just took a trail and we saw one person on a bike and that was it. Yeah, that was a three-day, two-night backpacking trip in a very popular park, and that's all we saw. Um, anyway, we talked about um, shoulder season backpacking a little bit uh, a couple episodes ago, episode 24, so you can check that out. 
Well, every time I go on a backpacking trip, I take notes and I want to know how to improve next time or how to have a different experience or a better experience or just try something that I haven't tried before. So today's top five list is the top five things that I want to try on a future backpacking trip. These may not be things on your list, Josh, or on anyone else's list. This is just Heather's list. This is just my list. So, number one, I want to try sleeping in a tarp instead of a tent. Tarps can be a little more lightweight. You don't have all the features that a tent has, but I found a really cool tarp setup that would allow me to be all enclosed and safe like a tent, but it just uses a simple 8x10 tarp. And the setup that I found is called the Pyramid tarp setup. So I found a great video on YouTube that showed me how to set up this pyramid tarp. It's just an 8x10. Um, So we'll do an episode where we talk about tent alternatives. But I like the idea of sleeping in a tarp because it's lighter weight than a tent. So that's one of the benefits. Yeah. The number two thing that I want to try on a future backpacking trip is barefoot hiking. That doesn't mean going without shoes. It just means going with shoes that allow your feet to develop the muscles that you need to actually support your body weight. Yeah, so there are actually shoes that are kind of called barefoot shoes. You still have something on your feet. It's just that all they're doing really is uh, protecting you from like scratches and punctures on the bottom of your feet. They're not providing that sort of uh, cast-like support that a big shoe provides. Right. So I have a pair of shoes called Zero Shoes, and they're barefoot running shoes. And the whole idea is that your feet are strengthened and protected, and your feet develop those muscles instead of keeping them bound up with a rigid structure. Zero Shoes are spelled X-E-R-O, Zero Shoes, and mine weigh 11.6 ounces. So my Zero Shoes are the Amuri Z-Trek. They're the only shoes that I've ever owned where there wasn't a breaking in period. I got no blisters. I got no kind of sore spots. It was all just so comfortable. Yeah, and I've been wearing the the same shoes, the Zero uh, Amuri Z-Trek shoes for the last few weeks. Kind of a fun experiment because after so many years and decades of basically putting my feet and my ankles in a cast every day, I'm wearing these super lightweight sandals and it's kind of freeing, but also I feel like I'm learning to walk all over again. Like when we go out for a walk, I feel like I'm paying a lot of attention to how I strike the ground with, mm-hmm. with my feet and, and trying to do more of a forefoot or, or midfoot strike rather than putting all the impact on my heel, which sends it straight to my knee, which sends it straight to my hip. So it's been an interesting experiment, but last night we went out for a walk and I decided, okay, I've had these for a few weeks. I've only walked in them. I haven't run yet. So for uh, a little stretch of our walk last night, I decided to run in my uh, Z-Trek sandals. And it was really cool, actually. Like, I did not expect the experience that I experienced. As I was running, it was actually easier for me to do a front foot or a forefoot strike when I hit the ground. And so it was easier to do that than when I was walking. And there was something about it, um, like I just took off. I had acceleration like I've never had before. (laughs) It was crazy. So anyway, I wanna time myself sometime, like regular shoes versus zero shoes doing a sprint. (laughs) Because it felt fast. 
You it were fast. Cool. It was really cool. So I would love to try hiking in these shoes just because I feel like if I have really strong foot muscles, then I'm going to have less chance of injury and my knees will thank me. And I'm really looking forward to having my knees for the rest of my life. Yeah, because you'll rely more on your feet instead of putting all the shock to your knees. But yeah, I'm curious too. What's it like to wear the uh, Z-Trex with 40 pounds on my back? So we got to try it. The number three thing that I want to try on a future backpacking trip is doing an offshoot hike. I tend to be kind of a homebody. I'm not really blessed with the same adventurous spirit that Josh was. You know, he tends to explore and wander and just be so unrestricted on the trail. And I just like to stay and um, set up the tent and things like that. I just like to be in camp. But I know if I go out and explore more that I'm going to have those great experiences that Josh always talks about. Yeah, and for me, it wasn't a complete trip if I didn't do a spur hike somewhere. I'm just, it's just in my blood, I guess. And maybe I should just hang out with you more often and kind of get your explorer vibe. Yeah. <laughs> So the number four thing that I really want to try on a future backpacking trip, I want to try foraging for greens. Vegetables are such a luxury on the trail. Like you never pack vegetables because they're low in calories, they're high in water, and backpackers just don't carry fresh veggies. So I'd love to find some kind of green plus some kind of wild garlic that I could saute up as a side dish or just throw it into my lentil soup. I think that would be so cool. Yeah, we also love exploring for mushrooms when we're out on family <laughs> hikes. It's just that we're not quite experienced enough yet mm. to trust ourselves with foraging for mushrooms. Oh, it's so funny to hear our 12-year-old because he's like, yeah, this one is a fill-in-the-blank, and I'm pretty sure it's edible, but I don't know. Okay, so we'll stick to um, wild garlic first. Yeah, that, go one, from there. that one sounds safe. It's something else, you know, if I don't end up foraging for greens or finding anything, I'd be fine with bringing sprouts on the trail because that's something if you're going to be out long enough, you could start the sprouts before you leave. And then when you start the trail, maybe two, two or three days into it, you would have fresh sprouts. Yeah. Agriculture on the trail. That would work. It's a whole new topic. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, number five is I would love to catch a fish. And it's no surprise that the last two things on my wish list were food related because food is just such a huge part of backpacking. You know, it's calories, it's a reward, it's memories, it's fuel. So I would love to be able to have the skills of like Tom Sawyer, go find a stick and whittle it down and then (laughs) get a little line and a hook and go catch dinner. But I have no like zero experience catching a fish out of a body of water. Yeah. (laughs) I've caught one out of a tank before at a trout farm. That was... That's um, about it, huh? Yeah. So I'd love to catch a fish on the trail. I guess one of the only drawbacks would be that to do it legally, I'd have to buy a $40 fishing license and I'd only be catching... Nothing. um, Nothing. I don't know. Is there a way to do it where you can just be like, officer, I was just trying to survive. (laughs) I was just experimenting, a trial run. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's what keeps me from doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm not experienced at fishing and I have to pay 40 bucks up front and probably catch nothing that whole year because I, I, I don't know how to do it yet. The only thing I've wondered about, and I don't know the answer, 
like we have some kids that are under the fishing license age. Mm -hmm. So could we let them do the fishing? Yeah. And we're standing next to them. Yeah. And then we don't have to have a license standing next to them. Yeah. Okay. We have some research to do. Yeah. Well, the other thing about catching fish is you have to clean them as well. So I don't have a problem with that. Okay. It's just out on the trail. You don't have like a fish cleaning station that you can use, right? So you've got to, you know, just like with your own human waste or with your food waste, you're going to have to dig the hole, gut the fish, bury it all, you know, things like that. But I think it's, it would be a ton of fun to to try fishing while we're out on the trail. And I think we might do that um, this fall when we go to the Wallawas in Northeast Oregon. I think some of our backpacking buddies are going to bring their fishing gear. So that'll give us a chance to learn from them a little bit. And if nothing else, maybe we can help eat their fish. I think so. Mm. With wild (laughs) garlic. Oh, yeah. Today on the Summit Gear Review, we're going to talk about the Crazy Creek Hex 2.0 Original Camp Chair. Last year, REI was really promoting the Alight, that's A-L-I-T-E, Monarch Camp Chair. That was a $70 item, at least that's that's how much it costs now. And uh, it came with an aluminum frame that you, you'd kind of put it together and assemble it when you got to camp. Weighs a little bit over a pound. So our friend Alan took it on our 40 miler uh, last fall. I will say it was quite a hit. At least it was a conversation topic a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, we did kind of joke about what? A, a camp chair on a 40 mile backpacking trip. But, you know, several people used it and liked it. And I think it broke towards the end of the trip, right? Mm. I think it was maybe a, a couple days before the end of the trip, something broke. And so, oh well. This year, REI just a few weeks ago started promoting the Evergreen, that's E-V-R-G-R-N, Campfire Rocker. Now this is a glamping chair. It's $100. It weighs five and a half pounds. You're definitely not taking this one on a backpacking trip, but it's got bamboo wood rockers combined with aluminum frame and It's a hipster item, I think. (laughs) Today, we're going to review camp chairs that you could truly take on a backpacking trip that are multifunctional and that aren't going to break. So the Crazy Creek chairs are foldable, compact camp chairs that are ridiculously comfortable, durable, and lightweight. The one that we're reviewing, the Crazy Creek Hex 2 Original, that's one pound, five ounces, and when it rolls up, it's about four inches in diameter by about 16 and a half inches long. The concept is really simple. Well, yeah, instead of relying on the frame to provide the strength of keeping the chair at like a 90 degree angle, it just relies on these two straps. It's pulling on the straps. They're never gonna break, it's great. So when you lean back in the chair, you get this great back support and you can lean back. You can use it kind of as a rocking chair. It doesn't have legs. And so you're just sitting on the ground, but you have the padding that's inside of the chair to insulate you from the ground and from, you know, damp conditions or cold conditions. It is the most comfortable chair and it's the best place to take a nap. Inside of the chair, there are carbon fiber poles that keep the back from sagging. So you'll always have a really nice, firm back and great support. Everything about the chair is heavy duty, but super lightweight. I love that. (laughs) So it's not going to fall apart on the trail. It's just very rugged. 
The foam inside is eight millimeters thick and it's high density EVA foam. The outer shell is coated ripstop nylon and the inner surface is a water resistant coated ripstop nylon that's completely sealed so you're not going to get dirt and grit inside of there. Um, it's amazing to me all the stats you find on these products. Like I've sat in the Crazy Creek chairs and loved them and they're comfortable and like, hey, this is cool. I had no idea they had carbon fiber frames and that they were waterproof and uh, ripstop nylon, all these things. Um, I think it just shows you how much thought and care manufacturers of backpacking gear put into all of their gear. They listen to their customers and they want to create something that will be durable, that will be a good value, and that will be comfortable. Right. And a, and a chair is like, I, I guess the best chairs are the ones that you don't even notice. You just sit in them and you're perfectly comfortable and you don't even notice everything that was done to make that happen. Yeah, one of the things that I love about this chair is that you can lean back in it. So like I said, it's kind of like a rocking chair. You can lean back, you don't have to sit straight upright. You can just kind of lean back and relax. I remember when, when our friend brought his chair on the backpacking trip, we kind of kind of made fun of him for bringing a chair on the trip. But I have to tell you, we've taken the Crazy Creek chair on every single camp out and hike that we've gone on for the last three months because it's so comfortable. Yeah, our 10-year-old was willing to add two pounds to his pack on our spring break trip so that he could carry two Crazy Creek camp chairs. <laughs> One of the other benefits of this chair is that it can be opened up all the way and used as a sitting pad for two adults or several kids. You can open it up completely. Just unhook the straps and you can use it as kind of a sitting mat. They do have a Crazy Creek Hex 2.0 power lounger, which for just a few ounces more, it's a chair, but it can also be turned into a sleeping pad, which is kind of cool. It's multi-use and it has an R rating of about two. So great for summer camping, great for lounging around the campsite, and then you can use it in your tent at night. Yeah, and for a longer trip, I like the idea of multi-use. You could leave your regular sleeping pad home and bring this longer version uh, Crazy Creek chair, use it during the day as a chair and at night as a pad. And that's great. In terms of maintenance, uh, things are really easy with the Crazy Creek chairs. You can just wipe it down with a damp rag Make sure it's dry before you roll it up and put it away. So the original Crazy Creek Hex 2.0, that comes in at around $50. The Crazy Creek Power Lounger, that comes in around $72. So these chairs are rugged, they're durable, they're unbelievably comfortable. And while they sound like a luxury item, and they are, they, re <laughs> they really are a luxury item. But if you're gonna splurge on a luxury item, this is the one. This is just so extremely comfortable. For today's backpack hack of the week, we're talking about dirty dishes. For most people, doing dishes is just part of eating on the trail. Not every single meal is going to be out of a Ziploc quart bag or out of a freeze-dried food bag. Usually you only have like a cup and a spoon to wash and maybe a frying pan if you cooked up some fish. If you want a quick and easy way to scrub those last bits of Chili Mac out of your Sierra cup, here is the trick. Dirt. All you have to do is pick up some dirt or some sand from the ground and use that to scour your dish clean. And when you're finished, simply rinse the dish away from camp. You don't want to 
leave all the food bits in your camp, and then do it away from a water source also, because you don't want to dump your food in the water, and then rinse it out with clean, potable water. And lots of times you don't even need soap. Yeah, the dirt is an abrasive, and it probably binds with the fats and oils that you're trying to get out of your utensils, and so it actually works great. Yeah, it's going to save you the hassle of bringing along a scrubbing pad or, you know, if you use your bandana, you won't have to rinse that out afterwards. Nature's natural cleaner, dirt. There you go. Well, it's another incredibly cheap backpacking hack that you've come up with. <laughs> Free! Well, we used it on our last trip and we had six Sierra cups to wash and six spoons. And so I just grabbed some dirt from the ground and it worked. It was great. Yeah, it really did. I did that for one meal. Then I had the kids wash their dishes after that. Which works pretty well, too. That works even better. If you can find some kids to wash <laughs> your dishes with dirt, wow. All right. Well, that's like our super <laughs> hack for today. Super hack. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, are we ready to assault our listeners' ears with some really bad humor? Yeah, we're going like Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> style here. You might be a backpacker if. <laughs> okay. I don't want to say whose idea this was. <laughs> These are all terrible. I mean, I, I really feel bad for our listeners today. And not only do we have some you might be a backpacker jokes, but we're going to include them in future episodes too. So just a fair warning. Oh. If you're sensitive to bad humor, you might want to. <laughs> Here it comes. Okay. Should I say it like Jeff Foxworthy or should I say it like Heather Legler? Well, let's try it Jeff style. <laughs> and we can always switch back to Heather style. If you buy baby powder for your feet and not your baby, you might be a backpacker. Okay, how was that? Well, that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sounded just like him. It was incredible. You did, yeah. If you can eyeball exactly 0.75 ounces of denatured alcohol, you might be a backpacker. If you buy yellow heat for your alcohol stove, but have no idea what in the heck it's doing on the automotive aisle, you might be a backpacker. If you take your kids back to school shopping and can be heard muttering, exactly how many liters does this thing hold? What? No suspension? You might be a backpacker. If you skip the Slurpees at 7-Eleven and head straight for the high-calorie honey buns and smart water in the lightweight water bottle, you might be a backpacker. Let's leave everybody with some trail wisdom. Today's trail wisdom is from Buffalo Bill, who was an army scout, a Pony Express rider, a ranch hand, a wagon train driver, a buffalo hunter, a fur trapper, a gold prospector, and a showman. To me, he's one of those guys that's you know, on that line between Davy Crockett and Paul Bunyan. He really did exist, but he just seems like a legend. He said, I could never resist the call of the trail. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles.
Should we leave that in or cut it out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, the app. <laughs> in t- instead of a sleeping bag. I mean, oh, sorry. Instead of a sl- <clears throat> um, I want a sleeping bag. <laughs> I just don't want it. All right. Well. well oh. <laughs> <laughs>